Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It's Tuesday, May 9th, 528 a.m. Central Time. As I speak here, July corn futures down four and a half at 592. July soybeans down two and three quarters at 1431. July Chicago wheat down seven and three quarters at 646 and a quarter. July Kansas City wheat down two and a quarter at 842. July spring wheat is higher up two cents at 845 and three quarters. Mackenzie, where would you like to start this morning? So we're going to start with Russia. They have effectively halted the Black Sea grain deal. Reuters reports this morning that no ships were inspected on Sunday or Monday. Turkey and the United Nations continue to work with all sides in order to facilitate inbound and outbound vessel movement. Ukrainian officials say that 62 vessels are waiting to arrive at its ports. 26 vessels are loaded and stuck in Turkish waters. Another 14 vessels are loading up but are stuck in Ukrainian ports. Russia has refused to register incoming vessels. The deal officially expires next Thursday without Russian participation. Okay, there was some breaking news this morning. Well, I guess you call it breaking. This was out at about 3 a.m. Russia's state news agency, or one of them, I don't know how many there are, uh, RIA, they say that there's going to be a four-way meeting uh, tomorrow and Thursday, which I assume involves Russia, the UN, Turkey, and whoever else, um, and Ukraine. And uh, this four-way meeting will, will be two days. So if this thing was totally dead in the water and Russia had no interest in extending this, their state news agency would not be reporting that there's going to be a four-way meeting. So I actually think that there may be some light at the end of the tunnel here. I have been, my thought the whole time was that Russia was bluffing about this thing and that they either were just uh, seeking concessions. They knew they had some leverage at the same time. Russia and China are tight. Uh, We know that China imports a material amount of corn, in particular from Ukraine. Uh, The corn market hasn't reacted to this, whereas I guess maybe you could argue the wheat market has. I think the wheat market reaction we saw here recently was more a result of that uh, supposed or alleged attack on the Kremlin. I don't know if it was because of the grain deal. If it was because of the grain deal, I think corn should have acted better. Uh, USDA projects that Ukraine will account for almost 15% of all global corn exports this year. So if we really thought, if the trade really thought this was totally dead, um, I feel like the corn market may be acting better. And I just don't know if if that's where we're at. So there is going to be a meeting uh, tomorrow and Thursday, the way that it looks. Uh, what comes of that meeting, I don't know. Russia is reporting that uh, here this morning. Rains will return to the U.S. Plains later this week. Accumulation should begin on Thursday across portions of North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, and parts of Kansas. Much of Texas and Oklahoma will also be wet. Minnesota and Wisconsin will catch uh, will catch some of the rain while the central corn belt is drier. The 6-10 to 10 day government map calls for a drier pattern be drier pattern beyond beyond the forthcoming system. Yeah, so you've got like two different deals here. Uh, talking Wednesday, Thursday this week, you're going to see these rains come back into the Dakotas, Nebraska. A lot of Texas, Oklahoma is going to be wet. Um, Minnesota is going to catch some more rain, Wisconsin. And then a lot of the central Corn Belt, just more sparse type rain. But then we're going to flip-flop, and it's going to turn dry out through like the 22nd, which takes you out through the third full week in May. I've heard some weather forecasters talk about uh, a drier pattern emerging following this forthcoming system. So I know that uh, 
there are we're going to talk about crop progress here in a second but there are varying degrees of of planting progress of course you know the central corn belt a lot of guys are done or close to done uh, up north they've still got a ways to go but you're going to be wet here uh, again later this week and then uh, kind of headed toward a drier pattern Hey guys, if you are not already uh, checking out our premium content, you sure need to do so. Joe, tell me about the video you put together yesterday. I uh, talked about marketing targets in terms of uh, cash grain marketing. So while the markets were down and out and down like every single day, it seemed like there for a couple of weeks, nobody was interested in selling much of anything. Now that we've got what appears to be a little bit of a recovery on our hands, I think it's worth looking at some possible upside targets. So I ran through uh, Kansas City wheat, uh, old crop, new crop corn, old crop, new crop soybeans, uh, ran some chart targets, both longer term and shorter term. If you guys are interested in the premium stuff, there's a new video every single business day, uh, along with the morning email, text message service, ton of information direct from us, guys. Uh, you can go to standardgrain.com, sign up today. This is a $50 per month subscription built to your credit card. Uh, signing up is a piece of cake. It'll take you like one minute on your phone or on your computer. Um, uh, check this out this morning, guys. U.S. corn planting is ahead of schedule. The crop was 49% planted nationally through Sunday versus 26% the prior week and the five-year average of 42%. States that have planted 70% of the crop or more include Illinois, Iowa, Missouri, Tennessee, North Carolina, and Texas. States that have planted less than 20% of the crop include North Dakota, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. The crop is 12% emerged nationally versus 6% the prior week and the five-year average of 11%. You've still got some areas up north that are slow. North Dakota is only 1% done versus 11 on average. Uh, South Dakota is actually ahead of schedule now. They made a ton of progress in one week. 26% done with corn in South Dakota. Minnesota planted, what, 33% of the crop in one week. Uh, Minnesota's 38% planted in corn, just behind the 39% average. Wisconsin's slow. They're only 14% done versus 25 on average. Michigan is slow. They're 6% done versus 18 on average. Uh, Ohio is slow. They're 11% done versus 17% on average. It's been uh, kind of wet there. So uh, a mixed bag. Uh, North Dakota appears to be your problem, if anything. And they've got more rain uh, coming again later uh, this week. What about soybean planting? Uh, so soybean planting is also ahead of schedule. The crop was 35% planted nationally through Sunday versus 19% the prior week and the five-year average of 21%. The crop is 9% emerged nationally versus the five-year average of 4%. Uh, same deal, North Dakota, real slow, uh, nothing done, uh, should be 4% on average. So they wouldn't be like uh, that much further along anyways. Uh, Minnesota's a little bit behind, 13% done. Uh, your central areas of the Corn Belt, your Iowa's, your Illinois, uh, Indiana's, uh, way out ahead of schedule. So soybean planting, kind of following corn planting in terms of uh, the trend and, and where things are good, where things are bad. Uh, winter wheat conditions improved a little bit. Yes, uh, the crop is rated 29% good to excellent nationally versus 28% the prior week and the five-year average of 46%. States with a good to excellent rating of 20% or below include Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, and South Dakota. The U.S. spring wheat crop is 24% planted nationally versus 12% the prior week and the five-year average of 38%.
Mackenzie, you had a chart in our newsletter this morning. Uh, U.S. winter wheat uh, rated poor to very poor. 44% of the U.S. winter wheat crop is rated poor to very poor, which may be uh, even more revealing than the bad good to excellent number. These good to excellent numbers, I mean, in your big HRW wheat areas in particular, are terrible. Uh, Kansas was actually down on the week, 11% good to excellent. Uh, Oklahoma, 7% good to excellent. Um, Texas, 20%. Nebraska, 12% good to excellent. These are just bad. Bad ratings, and I know some of these areas have caught a little bit of rain. I just don't know how helpful um, it's going to be. China's economic recovery may be slowing. Imports declined in April while export growth slowed, according to Chinese customs data. Uh, imports dropped 7.9% versus the same month last year. Traders had expected a number near unchanged. Shipments were up 8.5% year over year. The unexpected decline in imports perhaps speaks to economic troubles following nearly three years of COVID lockdowns. Many analysts had expected better things in in regard to the grand reopening. Yeah, this was supposed to be a grand reopening, and this is directly correlated to Chinese demand for corn and soybeans. If the economy's not good, those imports are just not going to be uh, where they could be potentially. There was a chatter a couple of weeks ago, and it probably continues, that uh, USDA may very well be too high with its soybean import number for China in particular. I think USDA was at 96 million. I think some of the uh, private groups um, in South America in particular were talking something closer to 90 million. We've seen China cancel uh, US corn purchases uh, recently. They're probably going to hold off and, and try to buy Brazilian corn uh, here a few months from now at uh, lower prices. So this is uh, overall this uh, kind of disappointing Chinese economic data. Overall, not a positive uh, for the grain markets whatsoever. U.S. corn shipments decreased sharply last week. USDA reported that 963,000 metric tons of corn were inspected for export during the week ending May 4th. The print was down 37% on the week and down 35% versus the same week last year. Accumulated corn shipments for the current marketing year are down 35% versus the same time period last year. Soybean shipments declined 3.2% from the previous week, totaling 394,755 metric tons. Wheat shipments were poor at 209,138 metric tons, down 42% compared to the previous week. Yeah, the corn shipment number totally missed the mark. The trade was looking for a million to one and a half. So this 963 is just not going to do the trick. At this point, it's a damn near guarantee that USDA reduces its export projection on the old crop U.S. balance sheet, which means higher carryout. Uh, there are some people, myself included, that look at the ethanol production statistics and say, you know what, they may be too high there as well. So if you're looking for fundamental justification, supply and demand justification, why is the corn market soft? Uh, that's your reasoning is weak demand. It's weak export demand. It's uh, ethanol production statistics, both according to EIA and USDA through the Grain Crush reports. The, the numbers are just not uh, where they need to be in terms of demand. Now, you look at some of the things on the board, you've got inversions in some of your spreads. You've still got a uh, strong uh, cash basis across the country. A lot of it doesn't add up necessarily, but if you're looking for a, a fundamental driver, why is, is why are old crop corn prices falling? Why are new crop corn prices falling? I mean, the demand issues, I think, is is what you point to at this point. 
Tyson Foods has posted a surprising second quarter loss. Shares of Tyson Foods fell 16.4% to a three-year low on Monday as the meat giant posted a second quarter loss and cut its full year revenue forecast. Deteriorating consumer demand and increased input costs are eroding margins. The company posted a loss of $97 million in the three months that ended April 1st, compared to a net income of $829 million last year. To cut costs, the company said it would cut 15% of its senior leadership positions and 10% of its corporate roles. Tyson Foods will continue to face headwinds as the economy shows no relief uh, for consumers and the cost of livestock remains elevated. I didn't look through this fully, but there were a few things across the wires about just uh, higher input costs, which I think for them is like cattle are more expensive. And this kind of directly relates to the cattle market, I guess. But I mean, their margins, I mean, not just them, but all the packers, I mean, their margins have been off the charts for mm-hmm. years. And this is, uh, I'm not going to say a, a, like a, a return to, to, to normalcy, but this is uh, just, it's a change from what had been like a fantastic profit situation for them. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, they have seen incredible profits over the past three years. And yeah, they might lose a little bit of money here, but if you think about what it's going to be like on the other side, when cattle producers do ramp up their cattle herd numbers, uh, they'll be back to making gobs of money. So yeah, I would imagine a cattle market was up slightly yesterday. Yeah. Rebounded a bit on Monday, particularly feeder cattle, feeder cattle futures closed an average of one fifty five higher nine 90 cents higher in the spot may contract and two Oh two higher at the back live cattle futures weren't quite as positive, but they still managed to close an average of 67 cents higher on Monday. Day. Cash uh, cash cattle trade was unestablished yesterday. Choice box beef ended the day at 308.56. That was down at 63 cents. And select box beef ended the day at 285.12. That was down $3.04. Outside markets this morning, guys, pretty quiet. U.S. dollars up just marginally. Stocks are off a little bit. The S&P's down 15 points ahead of the cash open. The Dow's down 120. Gold's up four bucks. Crude oil down 66 cents in the June WTI at 72.50. Have a great day, guys. Uh, we will talk to you on Wednesday.